0: Hey there, welcome to the GT Youth Podcast. We are so excited that you're stopping by to hear this week's message. If there is any way we can care for you, reach out to us on Instagram, at Youth. Feel free to take notes and share this with a friend. We hope this message encourages you and builds you up. Um, but tonight, everybody say tonight. tonight. Oh, snap, it's getting, it's getting real. Everybody say tonight. Tonight, uh, tonight we're getting into week two of our relationship sex and dating series nice for what anybody enjoy week 1 come on make some noise for week 1 i love it Hey, uh, I'll I'll be, and I'm going to be real honest. Let's just, we're going to go ahead and break the ice. This entire month of February and even a little bit of March, we talk about relationships. We talk about dating. And yes, we talk about sex here at church. We talk about all the things on the board. Um, And I'm just going to, I'm going to say the word a couple times because you're a little bit too awkward for me right now. So we're going to break through the ice today uh, because today's conversation is going to be a little bit of a, of an uh uh-oh conversation. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. It's going to be an uh uh-oh conversation, Um, and hopefully you enjoyed week one. If you uh, don't know what I'm talking about right now, we have a podcast, and we post all our sermons up on our podcast, so I'd love for you to kind of catch up. Um, Obviously, I'm not saying don't. Don't tune into tonight. You're already here. Might as well just listen, right? But also, just so you get the full picture of what God's saying over GT Youth and everybody involved, go ahead, listen to episode one of uh, Nice for What on our podcast. It's GT Youth. You just look that up. Uh, any podcast platform, you'll be able to find it. But today, I want to talk about this idea um, on, on something that a lot of people struggle with. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get into the nitty gritty. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to understand this. I'm not here to hype you up. I'm here to help you out. And so I'm going to talk about things that maybe might make you uncomfortable, but I promise if you receive it with an open heart, uh, it might not make you feel the greatest, like the greatest person in the world, but it's going to help you out. Last week, everybody say last week. Last week we talked about safe spaces. What is a safe space and how do I know I'm truly in a safe space? And we talked about how safe spaces are not made on acceptance. Just because people accept you with what you want and and the life you want to live, that doesn't really make it a safe space because every real safe space should lead to freedom. Anybody remember that last week? Right? We talked a little bit about it. And so I think it'll be a good time tonight that not just talking about safe spaces, but to have a conversation that you should be having in safe spaces. Can I just let you know right now, maybe you don't know this, you are in a very safe space. Like here at GTU, I want to let you know whatever problem you have, whatever you struggle with, whatever sin, whatever weakness you have, this is a safe space. To talk about it, this is a safe space to open up about it. This is a safe space to trust somebody with it. Whatever it may be, whether it's an identity crisis you may have, whether you're not really sure about what you want to do with the rest of your life, whether you've got an addiction that people always tell you you can't talk about, can I let you know in this house you can talk about it? And I need to say that because tonight we're going to get into a really detailed conversation. It's gonna it's gonna rub some of you the wrong way. It's gonna make you a little bit uncomfortable. And so. Maybe, maybe you don't want to receive everything. That's fine. But I believe that something tonight is going to be a seed planted in your heart. Because tonight, um, we're talking about something that you struggle with. And if you don't struggle with it, the person next to you might be struggling with it. And if they're not struggling with it, I guarantee that there are more than 20 people in your life right now that are struggling with this idea of addiction to some type of pornography. There's addiction to some type of lust. And tonight, again, I don't want to hype you up. I really want to help you out. Can I get an amen if you're ready? All right. I want to read a Bible verse, uh, the book of Song of Songs. Some Bibles say Song of Songs. Some Bibles say Song of Solomon. But it's, it's right after uh, the, the poetic books, one of the last ones here. Um, so kind of near towards the middle of your Bible. Um, my Bible says Song of Songs. I don't really like that name. So we're gonna, I'm just going to say Song of Solomon. right? But it's, it's, it's kind of titled both ways. It's the same book no matter what Bible you have. Um, and we're going to go to chapter 8. Everybody say 8. I want to pray, we're going to read the Bible, and we're going to get right into this conversation because I think it's real important. So let's all bow our heads and close our eyes before we read. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity of diving into your word. Lord, I ask that you would challenge us today. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us something new. God, that you would open our eyes to something we've been ignoring, that you would open our eyes, God, to something that maybe we didn't think we were even dealing with. But, God, would you show us today how we are struggling and how we can struggle well, God. By trusting you in the middle of our struggles, by trusting you in the middle of our anger, in the middle of our frustration, Lord, today, um, would you let us know you're not mad at us, but you're madly in love with us. And you love us exactly as we are, but you love us too much to leave us the way we are. Speak to us truth. I want everyone in the room, every eye closed, every head back. Can everybody repeat after me? Say, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, let's say this all together as a family. Say, Jesus, Jesus. Speak, to speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen and amen. Hey, I want to read this verse to you, and then we're going to get into our conversation. Go ahead, throw it up. Song of Songs, Song of Solomon, however you want to say it. Chapter 8, verse 4. This woman, she's speaking, and she's kind of, this this doesn't have an exclamation point, but if you read the verses before and after, you can kind of tell she's yelling this out, right? She says, promise me, woman of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. I'll be honest, I think a lot of us in this room have not waited until the time is right. I think a lot of us, our pain is a byproduct of not waiting for the right time. And maybe, maybe you have not gone all the way with this idea of lust and sexual sin, but maybe you are taking some baby steps. And I want to let you know that if you are just approaching it even at the slowest pace ever, you are getting to something when it's not the right time. And this is the warning the Bible gives us. It, it doesn't say please, it doesn't say on a good day, it doesn't say oh, just let me know. It says, Promise me. Like I'm begging. I'm begging that you never step into this. I'm begging that this never hurts you. I'm begging that you're never a victim to this. Promise me, O oh woman of Jerusalem, that you won't awaken. Some translations say the word arouse, that you won't wake it up, that you won't rise it up in your life until the time is right. Like I want to let you know, like it's just sex is a great and it's not just a great thing. It's a God thing. Like we've got desires in our lives and I want to let you know that's not anti-God. It's just, it's something that God designed for us all to have. But there's a very ginormous comma there. It's at the right time. I want to let you know... uh, if you heard me last week or the weeks before, you know that I'm 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 very anti-gossip. Like I just I don't do it. If you gossip, I'm gonna hit you with a microphone on the forehead. Like I just don't don't gossip around me. Don't gossip about me. Don't actually you gossip about me? I really don't care. Don't gossip about my wife. I I not I want like murder you, but like I'll stomp you in the forehead. Right? Like I just don't talk about my wife. Don't talk about my friends. And don't talk about GT Youth because I'm gonna go buck wild. Just, just don't do it. If I hear gossip, I'm just walking out the room. If I hear oh she said he said that said what said left side left side right side, I'm like oh. I don't belong here, I'm out of here, I don't do gossip, but tonight I got to make an exception. I'm going to gossip tonight, guys. I got some tea, I'll be honest, and, uh, and it's ready. I, just, I, don't, I don't think you're ready to kind of hear what, I, what I'm about to expose right now. And, I, and you're probably in the show when you're like, oh my God, did they tell them what I did, right? It's like, hey, whoa, chill, I have no idea what you did. I, I want to let you know, my friends, you are on the safe zone of this gossip today. Because if there's anybody Dennis is gonna gossip about, the only exception he has to gossip is that I'm gonna gossip about the devil today. I'm gonna talk a little, I'm I'm gonna share some tea about what he's been doing in his life. And I want you to understand something, my friends. I actually, I really do have some things, and I want you to hear them out. Go ahead, throw up that first idea here. It's that 50% of Christians, and by Christians it means at least they go to church once a month, 57% of them, they say that sex in a committed relationship, even if it's not marriage, is okay. As long as I truly love her, then it's cool, even if we're not married. We're living together, and we're not married, but as long as we're living together because we're committed to each other, that it's okay. That's 57% of Christians who at least go to church once a month. Like, these are not those people. These are our people, y'all. People that believe what we believe. Apparently, they don't believe what we believe. I want you to know this. Don't throw the next one up yet. But I want you to know that 35% of Christians believe that casual sex is okay. And maybe you don't understand this idea, right? But, but there's sex in a committed relationship, which means you're not married, but you love each other and you sleep with each other. But then there's casual sex, which is this idea that if you meet somebody on the first date and you think that they're pretty, you can sleep with them. This idea that you can meet a complete stranger and if they look good and you look good, she got lips, hips, fingertips, and you like her, that you can go ahead and you can sleep with her. There are 35% of Christians that believe that it is okay in some conditions to sleep with a stranger Go ahead, throw this next one up. This one actually really hurt me. It's that 90% of teens, you guys, people, your friends that you go to school with, they're either encouraging, they're accepting, or they they really don't care. They're neutral when they talk about porn with their friends. 90% of us. Which means if we were to sum up this entire room, it would literally be only these three to four chairs that are probably like, I don't think we should be talking about this. I don't think this is something good. But the entire rest of the, of the population in America of young people in your age, they say, you know what, like, it's actually pretty good. You, you, you should keep doing it. Some of them would actually say, I don't, I don't really care if you do it or not. Go, go buck wild. Like, it doesn't matter. And some of them are actually like, you know what, if you do it, I accept you the way that you are. 90% of us say that it's okay to do that thing. This one, and it's not the next one. Go ahead, just follow with me. Uh, this, uh, this one that I've got written here, uh, this one actually might surprise you. It doesn't surprise me because it has to do with people like myself, but I want you to understand this, um, and it's not up on the screen, but it's that one in five youth pastors struggle with pornography. One in seven senior pastors struggle with pornography. And this is a very rough number. There could be a lot more. But that entitles 50,000 pastors in the U.S. alone that are struggling with pornography. That's people like me, y'all. Like, I want you, this is not just a you problem because you're young. This is not just a you problem because you're a boy. Like, it's, it's taken care of all of us. It's taken advantage of all of us. It's coming for all of us. And even people who speak to you about the goodness of the news of Jesus are in moments one in five and one in seven are struggling with this idea of pornography. There are nearly 27% of teenagers that receive sexts and around 15% are sending them. 27% of all of us in this room are... Hey, you up, girl? Fifteen percent of us are actually saying yes. We are. It's a big number, y'all. I want you to go ahead. This uh, throw this next one out. It's, it's, up, it's up on the screen. Um, this this one really this one this one's like I'm not cool with this one. Seventy-one percent of teens hide online behavior from their parents, normally due to some type of pornographic search. I want you to write this next idea down, and that's why I kind of told you all these things, right? It's that you can't handle hidden sin. Why are all these things important? It's because you can't handle a sin that is hidden. It'll take advantage of you. And here's what I actually I'll like to say it this way: that if you hide a sin, it'll hang you. Can't handle it. You are not that strong. I love you, I care about you. Can I let you know, my friends? I am not that strong. That if a sin is hidden in my life, I will not be able to handle it. I will actually be hurt. And here's what I need you to understand, my friends. It's that confession does not expose you. It exposes the enemy. Why are we having this conversation tonight? It's because we need to start talking about things that are taking advantage of us. We talked about it last week. I'm not going to tolerate what's taking advantage of me. And this may be uncomfortable. This may be weird. But let me just let you know with love that confession does not expose you. It exposes the enemy. When you talk about sins that you're dealing with, it's not putting you on blast. It's putting him on blast. Some of us, we feel like, man, if if I talk about it, then I'm the one that's being exposed. And they're going to see me and they're going to know me. Can I let you know, it highlights the ugliness of the devil more than it highlights your ugliness. When you go to somebody and you say, hey, I'm really struggling with this idea, every time I'm by myself, it runs in my mind, every time I'm home alone, it runs in my mind. Whenever you talk about these things, you feel like you'll be the one embarrassed. Can I let you know, the only one who's embarrassed is the devil, because he knows that his plan is now beginning to fail, because you started practicing this idea of confession. So talk about it. Shoot, if I could talk about it from up here, you could talk about it with one leader, one-on-one. If I could talk about it from here, you could talk. If I can admit that one in five youth pastors struggle with this, and one in seven seniors, like, we're all down bad, y'all, if I can say it that way. Like, we're all not as strong as we thought we were. And this is something that's crippling our generation. It's hurting us. It's suffocating us. Can I let you know, for, there's this, like, there's this language that we use whenever we're researching generations, right? We've got the baby boomers. We've got the Gen Xers. We've got the millennials. You might have heard these things. And we've got Gen Z. We all, this is us. We're all Gen Z here. Can I let you know? Every single generation has had an increase in the use and searching of pornography. We are the highest that has ever existed. And there's a lot of things you could have, well, it's not our fault because now we have technology. They didn't have it back then. I, I completely understand. I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm saying it's your reality. It's what we, it's what we struggle with. It's what we deal with. And as long as the devil is hidden, he is in power. Yeah. He's like, you guys know those, those it's like an old trend where somebody would like steal something and they look to the corner and Batman's just like right there. And like he drives them over with his car. Anybody remember that? No, you don't? Or I'll tackle them. It's fine. My TikTok is just weird. I get it. It's fine. I want you, I want you to know like there's this like Batman technique to the devil that as long as I'm hidden, I'm in power. As long as you can't see me, then I got you. As long as you can't point me out, then I'm really winning. My friends, that's why we got to talk about these things. And this is not Pastor Dennis' ideology. This is God's theology. Go ahead, throw up 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Bible actually talks about this way before I've ever spoken about this. It says, confess. Everybody say confess. confess. Oh, that's a good word, not a bad word. It says confess your sins to each other. And look what it says. And pray for each other that you may be healed confession is not a thing about exposing you confession is a thing about healing you like confession isn't to say like whoa you're really really bad confession is to say oh I know where we can go now because you've been honest about where you're at confession has less to do with discipline and and God punishing you and it has more to do with you giving God room to work in your life Confession is this idea that the devil will not be hidden no more because hidden sin is sin that's unhandled. And I'm going to start handling my sin and throwing it out of my life. I'm going to start holding on to the things that are holding on to me. And I'm going to throw it out of my life. And because I talk about it, I can take care of it. That's what confession is about. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Maybe you've got no results in your relationship with lust and pornography because you haven't spoken about it yet. Maybe you're saying, I'm praying all this prayer. I'm doing all this. It doesn't say pray for yourself. It says pray for each other. you got to give somebody a reason to pray for you. you got to talk to somebody and say, hey, uh, I'm not just going to ask you just to pray out loud. I'm going I'm to tell you what to pray for exactly. If you pray for each other, you'll be healed. Look what 2 Corinthians 10.5 uh, says. It says, "We set captive, or we take captive every single thought and make it obedient to Christ. Can I let you know you can't hold, you can't take hold of what you don't talk about. It says take hold captive every thought, but you ain't gonna hold that thought captive. You can't hold on to it if you don't talk about it. I'm not saying just to tell everybody I'm struggling with pornography. (laughs) That's not what I'm advising, y'all. That's probably the worst thing you could do. Go to class and be like, "Hey guys," It's, it's not the option. I actually had a friend like that in high school. He didn't ask for help. He was just telling people, "I was like, you're weird, bro." Everybody ran away. You don't want to do that, but you want to go to somebody and check this out, not somebody that you trust, somebody that God trusts. Go to somebody God trusts, because if God don't trust them, I don't know why you trust them. (laughs) Somebody God has placed in your life. And I'm going to make this parenthesis, and y'all going to hate me for it. I'll be honest. Y'all, I know y'all y'all not going to like me. Pastor Dennis, he's always, he's always doing this and always talking about that. I hate, I hate when he talks about this. But the reality is the only person you could never choose in your life is your mom and your dad. So logically thinking God trusts them with you because he never gave them an option of who you were going to be. So if there's anybody God trusts more, it's your mama and it's your daddy. I remember the first time I ever, I ever looked up pornography on my own. First time I ever looked it up on my own, it was shown to me at a very young age, and I didn't know what it was. I, this, is, this girl has no clothes on. What is this? And they were explaining to me like, "Hey, bro, this is this is what it is. Like, you got to get on it." I'm like, I don't, "I don't know. I'm scared, right? You just, just, I'm so terrified. Why is she naked, right? Like, uh, it's just a horrible experience. But the first time I ever looked it up, I remember calling my youth leader saying, "Hey, like." This is what I just did. I just looked it up, and, and I, don't, I don't like this feeling, and I, I've seen it in other places on accident, and friends have showed me, but, like, this is the first time I did it for myself, and I remember crying on the phone with him saying, I don't know what I just did, but I know it hurts my heart, and I, I feel like God doesn't like it, and he explains to me all the damages that pornography does, and then he says, Dennis, I really think you need to tell your dad. I'm like, bro, what? hold on, are you crazy? Like, I'm calling you so I don't have to tell him gives me this entire story of how he told his father and, and what that did to him. And so I, I'm i shaking in my boots. I've never owned a pair of boots, but I'm shaking in my shoes, right? I'm walking to my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, uh, I, 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 can we just talk for a moment? And my dad's like a real quiet. Anybody just like, you got quiet dads, right? Like my dad is that guy. He's just real quiet. He doesn't speak. He doesn't say a word. He looks at me. And he, when he's around the right crowd, he'll talk a lot. But he looks at me. I'm like, hey, hey uh, yeah. I don't know like how to say this, but. You know what girls are? He's like, yeah. I'm like, so like, you know. And uh, I looked at them, and he's like, yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. This, like, your mom's around all the time. Like, I, you looking at girls and our palm? I said, no, but like, you know, like it's it's how I, I looked at the girls. And then he kind of started catching on. He's like, oh. He, kinda, he I remember he literally turned his body to me in his chair. He's like, all right, what's going on? And I said, oh. Uh, uh. And finally, I mustered up the strength to tell my dad I, I just searched up pornography. And I don't feel good about it. And I remember my dad looks at me in the eyes, real serious dude. Anything, my, anything I ever did, like my dad would be so upset about it. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes. And he said, I cannot believe you just told me that. And automatically I thought like, oh, my gosh, Like, I, what did I just do? Like I, my, my youth leader's name was Lewis. I'm like, Lewis, I'm going to kill you when I see you. Like, what, what did you set me up? And he said, I cannot believe you just told me that because I would have never had the strength to tell my father that. And when I thought my dad was disappointed in me, he actually was acknowledging and honoring me for being honest about my pain. I want you to understand this. My my dad is a God-fearing man, right? So I thought he was going to hurt me. And and I I understand some of us, we don't come from a Christian house, so I give that advice very lightly. My my youth leader knew that my father was a Christian. He knew my dad enough to know that my dad wouldn't go buck wild, but he also was like, I don't know, he might go buck wild, right? There is a chance that the outcome may, be, may become horrible. But can I let you know whether it's a good response or a bad response, it's still going to save you from future moments of failure. Like, I need you to prioritize yourself enough to let yourself get hurt if they spank you, to let yourself get grounded if they ground you. And I, like, I need you to care about your life enough. We talked about it last week. My private life is not worth my eternal life. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to show you my phone. I'm going to give it to you. And if you respond with tears and joy, then thank God. But if you don't, still thank God because he placed somebody in my life that he trusts with my sin. Yeah. Talk about it. Because you can't take hold of what you don't talk about. I want to give you this one piece of advice, and maybe there's some of us in this room, that may, maybe some guys in this room, you don't have a father. Let me just be a father to you right now. And I could never fill that role. Don't. I'm not this big guy. I'm not great. Like, I could never fill that role. Forgive me for even trying, but I would love to help you out in some type of way. Can I let you know, my friends, don't die for your desires when God already died for your deliverance. Please. If I could see anything in my dad's eyes when he was crying over how proud he was that we were talking about this. If anything my dad taught me at that moment is that your desires are not worth more than what God did for your deliverance. Like, you are paying to get stuck when God paid for you to be free. You are holding on to what God already took off of you. Don't ever let your desires get to a point, and this is even bigger than sex. This is bigger than porn. This is bigger than so much of that. Like, don't ever let your desires for your dreams, your purpose, don't let your desires for your goals and what you want in life, don't let those things ever become greater than the price that God paid for your deliverance. I want you to understand this. We're going to get right back on topic today. I want you to know, go ahead, throw that next idea idea up. Porn is not just watched. I need to talk about this, y'all. It's digested. It's not just something you look at. It's something you intake into your life. And, if we look, and we're not going to go back to those, but if we look at all those numbers and percentages, I want to let you know a lot of those aren't only just watching. They might think they are, but they are digesting. And it's just like food. Anytime you eat something, it doesn't just stay in your body. It affects your body. You eat McDonald's every day. Baby, I love you, but you're going to get fat. I'm just, I'm, I, I, am I lying to you? I'm not lying to you. There's an effect on your body. Every time you, you interact, every time you partake in pornography. And in the same way that there are liquids, there is breakfast, there is dessert, there is dinner, there's different types of foods and different types of intakes, there are also different forms of pornography. And I want you to, I want you to see these things. I want you to open up your eyes to this because there are four forms of pornography that I want to talk about. Again, I'm, I'm just going to gossip about the devil a little bit. i got to expose what he's doing so that you can know what's happening in your life. I want you to know exactly how he's trying to hurt you. So we can avoid these things. First form of pornography is, is video form. And that's probably the most that everybody is familiar with. Like, yeah, you watch it. Like, that's, that's the most basic form of it. But maybe you did not know this, but there are hardcore levels of pornography and there are soft core levels of pornography. And the softcore levels are the ones that hurt you the most. Hardcore is the one that, are, like, you, you, you look it up, you go on a website, and you can see the clear action of what's going on. But softcore levels of pornography are a little bit more enticing because they're more accessible. There are things like Instagram models. If there's anybody who's big on Twitch here, it's things like hot tub streams. It's things that don't show the fullness of what could happen, but they give you just enough to give you a high in your mind. It's soft core level. It's things like like magazines that you may look at with a cover that shows a woman who is not completely naked, but she's just enough for you to be enticed by it and infatuated by it. It's just enough to get your eyes. It's, it maybe isn't a man who is completely naked, but it's a man who looks just good enough and is showing just enough for you to be like, I kind of want something like that in my life, and you look at him a little bit too long, and you don't, you probably shouldn't be looking that long, but you still is. like It's these soft core levels that really get to us there's all these different video types of forms and all, like can i be, just be honest like the, some of them are unavoidable like there's some girls i went to high school with i'm like girl like you what you, you was wearing jeans and a, and a polo every day why are you wearing this now i gotta i gotta unfollow so many people that i called friends Pornography has become so accessible at these soft core levels and people promoting their OnlyFans and, and even TikTok. Is just, I'm just scrolling through like crazy videos about avocados blowing up and then boom, there's a girl and she's she looks different than what a normal girl would look like in society because she's wearing half her clothes and I, I, I didn't ask for this and it's, all the, it's everywhere all the time. There's a video form. I want to talk to you about this next idea and maybe you're not even aware of this, but there's audio form pornography. I, I don't know, and... Don't raise your hand if you know what I'm about to talk about. I don't want to expose you, right? But there's been moments where I've been on TikTok, and there's a completely normal video, but the audio has some type of pornographic reference. Like if you really listen to the audio, you can even hear raw audio of some type of film that was made between a man and a woman or other, other people who are in the porn industry. And you put, you put the volume on blast and sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm just on TikTok, I swear. you like look around the room, you're like, I promise I didn't, right? But if you catch that when you're by yourself and you don't have to put the volume down, it's going to lead you in and reel you into a deeper moment than you needed to have. Just like the woman said, she she literally says, do not awaken love until the time is right. And sometimes audio gets in our ears, and it drops the seed that says, hey, I know you want this. There's There's a third form of pornography, and most of you might know this, and it's the written form of pornography. This is more prevalent within women. And this really attracts women more than anything, and it's, it's people who write romance books, and it's people who are big readers. There, there's different, there's like a famous one, Her, I don't, I don't want to like say her full name, because some of y'all going to expose yourself, and I don't want to do that to you. But there's people like Colleen Hoover, and I, I read one of her books, and not the whole thing, but I, I, what was the book? I literally read it specifically for this, and I want you to know what it is. It starts with us. And uh, don't expose yourself, I don't want to do that to you. But I, I'm reading a little bit of this book, and I'm saying, oh my gosh, like. This is so uncomfortable. I felt like somebody was kissing me. I didn't want to read it no more. I just, I, I just closed my laptop because this, this is horrible. right? And I, I, I remember just the feeling that I had. to say, oh, this is the exact same thing as watching porn. And I don't want to say it's worse, right, because I don't want to compare your problem with somebody else's view of pornography. But it's, it's almost worse because I can input any type of image that I want into that. I can create my own reality based on what I've read and what I've understood off the story. Like, it can look however I want it to look within the descriptions of what she's given me. And there's so many. Can I I just let you know, like, if you are reading multiple books like this, like, you do have an issue with it. Like, a lot of us would think, well, because I'm reading it, like, it's cool. Like I can skip over the scenes. It's like, yeah, but, like, it's, it's a letter, and you only find out it's there when you read it. <laughs> like it's, it's not like you look away to make some nachos, and you hear the audio on the show that you're watching, and you're like, oh, I probably should have skipped over this part. Like, you, you have to step on it in order to know it's there. It's dangerous. Don't lie to yourself about these things. Here's the fourth form, and I really want to dive into this one a little bit more. I, I call this one the expressed form of pornography and this is the form that it's not really porn but it always leads to it I, and i'm going to go back to this tiktok and cuz tiktok is just so disgusting it's so toxic I, I remember I, I scroll through TikTok, right? Like, I would see goats flying and like peeing on cars. Just like, this is what my algorithm looked like, right? It's just random stuff. Babies, eat, like, covered in peanut butter. You just, like, it just happens. You just, you just keep scrolling. Anybody else has looked like that? Nobody? It's just, okay, let's go. My people, my people. I love it. Let's go. I love it. Your TikTok is full of uh, inside out watermelons and just things that just, you know, just don't exist. Um, anyways, I scroll. And the, the very next video, it says top five Hispanic porn stars. like, I didn't, what, happened to, what happened to the babies in peanut butter? <laughs> this is not what I asked for. And it didn't show anything because on TikTok, you, you actually can't show anything. Some videos get away with it. I don't know how. But most of the videos on social media that get thrown up with some type of pornographic image, they get taken down pretty fast. But some of them are not actual pornography, but they tell you everything you need to know. Some of them will say, well, top three porn websites in your, in your area, or top three ways to find this, or top three ways to find that. And it's not like showing me anything, but it's giving me enough for me to take the bait and go into it. It's the express form where it doesn't really show pornography, but it expresses a good opportunity for it. I want you to know, if you don't know these four areas, listen to me, if you don't talk about these four areas, you will never be able to handle a sin that is still hidden. Won't be able to t- take hold of these thoughts that aren't being talked about. Look what uh, 1 Corinthians 6.18 says. And we're, we're landing the plane here, y'all. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee. Don't walk. Don't jog. Don't, don't crawl. Don't walk like a dog on all fours. It says, flee. Run away. Kind of like the Joseph picture that we talked about last week. Joseph ran away. She grabbed on his shirt. She said, I got lips, tips, fingertips. I want you. You want me. He's like, I don't. I just want to serve God. He ran away. She ripped his shirt off. He runs out. It says, flee from sexual immorality look why because all everybody say all. all all other sin a person commits are outside of the body but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body their own if you murder somebody you lose your sanity if you do drugs you lose your consciousness if you drink and you party you lose your self control But if you commit sexual sin, you lose yourself. It's the only sin in the book that causes you to lose you. It's the only one. Every other sin is on the outside. The Bible says it clearly. But sexual sin is the one that hurts you on the inside. I I like to say it this way, that all sin is like a leech. But sexual sin is like a parasite. Every sin you could commit, it's on the outside. And the way you take off his leeches, is you burn it and it falls off. But a sexual sin it's like a parasite. It's not something you could just rip off of you. It's something that you have to do surgical work to get in your heart and in your soul. It's something that you have to take some things to get out of you. Sexual sin is the only sin that lives, breathes, and thrives on the inside, which is why sexual sin often lives in dark places. Because if it's outside of you, light can shine on it on any moment. But if it's inside of you, it's easier to hide. Sexual sin is like a par- is like a parasite. I want y'all to uh, just go ahead, go ahead throw throw up that picture there on the on uh, that we have. This is this is your this is your boy PD right here. Come on, everybody say aww. Don't say it. Don't say it. PD, what happened? You were so you shut the heck up? You, no, stop. Don't say it. I knew you're thinking it. This is me. It's a little blurry. It's pretty. It's a lot bigger than the actual photo. It's like this big, right? And. Um, I want, I want just, just from my own confidence. My wife fell in love with this version of me, not that one. Come on, somebody, right? And so, uh, so I just, I, I look good enough now. I may not look as good, but I look good enough for her. And so that's, anyways, whatever. <laughs> I, I, it's not this. Fo- I'm gonna share a story with you, and it's not this photo, but it's a photo of me being this exact same age. Imagine this little baby, this cute little thing. looks so adorable, and maybe looks a little better now, but it's fine. Like we won't. That's not what. We're, that's not what we're here, right? He looks like this, and imagine him just kind of reaching out to the camera. Like it's it's a POV of, of just me reaching out to the camera, and I have like this similar face. I look just as cute, and I remember I was cleaning my house. I can't remember why, but I, I found that photo this was the weirdest experience of my life. When I found this photo, all I could do was cry. Like I wept. I was probably like 15 years older than that moment of that photo. And I'm looking at it and I'm crying. And all I could say, listen to me, look at my eyes when I say this. All I could say to this photo is I'm sorry. I'm sorry I failed you. I'm sorry I put you through what I put you through. And I remember I'm speaking to this photo like if it was me and he could hear me from years and years ago. And I remember this verse in, in Corinthians that literally says, hey, any sexual sin is a sin against your own body. And I just couldn't stop apologizing and crying on this photo for every moment I walked into sin. And I didn't hurt me, but I hurt him. I wept and I wept and I wept, and he, I can't even look at it too long because I'll I start apologizing all over again. And it was this moment of deep understanding that I'm not hurting anybody else when I step into sexual sin but myself. I cried because I just put myself through unnecessary pain. Like I was mad. I wasn't mad at him I was mad at me right now like you're dumb like why didn't you take care of him better why didn't you treat him kinder why didn't you protect him more why did you look at him and just let him go to the wolves like why didn't you guide him better and I wept for hours on hours it was just, it's like a rant I was on my knees in my in my room just cleaning and I look at this paper floor. I'm just weeping crying and I remember this verse Song of Solomon chapter 8 verse 4 Promise me, O woman of Jerusalem. And it is, this is specific to them, but I think if I was writing this, I would just say, Promise me, Dennis, that you would not awaken sexual sin. You wouldn't awaken love. You wouldn't awaken this lust until the time is right. I stole his innocence. I really did. I didn't care for him as much as some people in his life did. And if anybody should care for him, it's me. Anybody should fight for his well-being. It's me. So tonight, my friends, I don't want you to be like me. Please do yourself a favor that when you look at yourself, when you look at the younger version of you, you don't say I'm sorry as many times as I did. You don't regret what you stepped into. Because I promise you, It is unavoidable because if you talk about it, you can take hold of it. I say this, my friends, and we're closing off with this, that maybe you're in this room and you're saying, I I don't know who to speak to. Pastor Dennis, I I just don't really know if I trust anybody with this sexual, like, sexual sin is so strong. I don't know if I trust anybody with it. And there's a moment in the Bible, and I read this a little earlier, that I want to take you to. It's in John chapter 6, verse 9. This is a moment where Jesus, he's feeding 5,000 people. And he's in this moment where he's like, we don't got no food for everybody. And he's like, the disciples, y'all yeah, got to go get food. And in this moment, the Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 9, throwing that up, that there is a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. And Look what they say to Jesus. They say, what good is this with the crowd that we have? Just the purpose. Like, what good is it? I want you to understand something, my friends. That maybe you don't see any value in sharing your sexual sins or your struggles. But can I let you know something with zero value in the hands of Jesus has infinite value. And maybe sharing what you're going through, you're probably like, ah, PD, like, I I think I'm good. I don't really be watching it that much. Like, I don't really be going through it that much. Like, I I don't really struggle with it like that. And maybe you're like, no, I'm good. Like, I I could deal with this myself, but can I let you know, something that seems so insignificant, like five bread and two fish, if you put it in the hands of Jesus, it can do so much more than what you can think, ask, or even imagine. And I want to let you know tonight, maybe you don't have a person you can run to to share your sins with, but you've got Jesus and anything in the hands of Jesus, whether it's as insignificant as a sin that means nothing or whether it's something that you don't really struggle with or you're curious about, if you place it in the hands of Jesus, he can do wonders with it. Catch this, y'all. Before you share this with anybody, you should at least share this with Jesus and let him tell you who you should share this with